0: You're going to love this. Just love it. Money back guarantee. Yes, I am stuck in the middle with you once again, live from Los Angeles, the beautiful studios of Pacifica Radio KPFK, uh, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Oregon Central Coast. And of course, coast to coast. And around the globe, on kpfk.org, on the Stitcher app, on the Tune-In app, on the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn, on Netroots Radio, on Indie Media Weekly, and now on iTunes, where we do hope you'll give us a five-star rating. This is your Bradcast. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Glad you could join us this afternoon. Uh, another the another big I was I I, I want to start the show every time I say another big news day, but it's not. it's another big news week. It's another big news month. It's the continuing uh, news summer from hell. Uh, and welcome to it. Uh, we will get uh, we've got a guest coming up shortly. Uh, first couple of uh, items I want to hit, Mitch McConnell. Uh, at the Koch Brothers Summit, demonstrating once again the the absolute death grip that the Koch Brothers now have on democracy. Thanks to the Supreme Court and Citizens United, which, by the way, is thanks to John Kerry for not fighting in two thousand and four, which is made apparent uh, in in these in this new audio out from the Koch Brothers Summit. In June, uh, some of you may remember uh, some years ago, uh, I released uh, audio from inside the Koch Brothers summit in uh, was it 2011 uh, from a Vale, Colorado, where uh, uh, Chris Christie was secretly the keynote speaker. He didn't even tell anyone in New Jersey that he was flying across the country to glad hand with the uh, Koch brothers and their billionaire buddies. Uh, anyway, uh, someone has done it again. It's our friend Lauren Windsor, uh, and you can see, you can listen to the complete audio and the full transcripts today over at li- LadyLibertine.net. Uh, Huffington Post and The Nation have uh, uh, picked up stories on this, but if you want to get to the original material, if you want to see what these guys actually said, what they're actually saying inside this super-secret summit earlier this summer in... Um, Uh, somewhere near Palm Springs, Uh, go check out LadyLibertine.net. Among the things, uh, Mitch McConnell spoke there and said that all Citizens United did was level the playing field. That's all it did. It's, It's all about free speech. You got to read it. Lots of documentation, the full transcripts of what went on and how these guys view democracy and how these guys view themselves as saving the world. And by the way, how none of this is about any sort of uh, social ideas. It is about putting Republicans into power, which in and of itself is fine, except that uh, since Citizens United, since uh, Karl Rove, Uh, figured out how to keep all of these donors' uh, names a secret by claiming their social welfare organizations. Uh, It it just—it's laughable. If it didn't hurt so much anyway, it would be laughable what these guys are doing with their death grip on our democracy. So go check that out. Um, Oh, for the first time in history, uh, Texas Governor Rick Perry claims an accused man in Texas is actually innocent. Uh Now that he has been accused. Oh, and oops, he also can't remember the two felony charges that he's been indicted for. Hint, one of them, neither of them is for bribery, as he told some New Hampshire businessmen this week in a bizarre story. We might be able to get to that a little bit later. Um I've got a family, and I wrote about this at bradblog.com. We're going to talk about this a lot more in a moment. But I've got a family member. I'm from St. Louis County. I I spoke about this, uh, I think, last week in light of what's going on in Ferguson. Um, I'm originally born and raised in St. Louis County. I am currently embarrassed by St. Louis County and what the uh, St. Louis County police have been doing there, what the Ferguson police uh, clearly are doing there. Uh, But I was uh, speaking with a family member recently who I hadn't spoke with since the uh, Ferguson blew up. Uh, And uh, she told me, well, she's willing to wait until all the facts are in in regard to Ferguson, uh, in regard to making judgment about what happened. Here's the newsflash. You don't have to. The fact that there is no police incident report, no real incident report from either Ferguson or St. Louis County pretty much tells us everything that we need to know. Uh, for evidence on that, my guest Charlie Grabski from PhotographyIsNotACrime.com from their Open Records project, he will be joining me momentarily. Uh, also, later on the show, we'll have an update on p- uh, police militarization, or at least the attempt to demilitarize the police, as we discussed last week on this show with Congressman Hank Johnson. I will also have another update on the uh, uh, Don Siegelman, former Alabama judge, uh, his federal I'm sorry, former Alabama governor, Democratic governor, uh, political prisoner. And on his federal judge, Mark Fuller, and the unbelievable turn in the case of Mark Fuller, who a couple of weeks ago, as we reported, was arrested for beating his wife in an Atlanta hotel room. There's been a remarkable uh, uh, turn in that particular case In the case of Mark Fuller, who is facing charges for uh, domestic battery. Also, Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. As always, Desi will be joining us with news on the Napa quake and how it raises uh, alarms about uh, California nuclear plants. Uh, Scott Brown and his his (laughs) climate flip-flop. We'll talk about that. And the Salmon Cannon. Yes, you heard me right. The salmon... Oh, also, if I have time, uh, a big day for John Boehner, who marked an important anniversary today on his Twitter timeline that uh, I don't even know if Desi knows about. We'll ask her about that later. Uh, But first, a... um Another friend, uh, Ohio journalist and attorney and troublemaker Bob Fitrakis. some of you folks may know him. We've had him on the show over the years. Uh, He likes to quote the legendary investigative journalist and publisher I.F. Stone by saying uh, when I.F. Stone said that everything you will ever need to know is already on the public record. Uh, that's true. Public documents uh, tell us pretty much everything we need to know. The trouble is sometimes getting to those records. Now, we've had another friend, Jason Leopold, uh, who is now of Vice.com. He is uh, currently on his way to Gitmo again, by the way, hopefully to report uh, from it rather than be imprisoned there. Uh, he's uh, been described as a FOIA terrorist, a Freedom of Information Act terrorist because of all the public records requests he's made with various government agencies. My guest, Charlie Grabski, appears to be a kindred FOIA terrorist based on the number of records uh, requests that he has filed that he's tried to make to try to get us closer to the truth of what happened when Ferguson, Missouri, police officer Darren Wilson gunned down unarmed African-American teenager Michael Brown in the streets of Ferguson in early August leading to the explosion of protests and police rioting thereafter. Uh, As I said, I'm from St. Louis County, born and raised here. And uh, sure, I'm willing to wait until all the facts come in to determine if Darren Wilson is guilty of murder or if it was some other form of homicide. But as far as what went on, as far as what people are absolutely and justifiably outraged about, we don't need to wait. Uh, th- the facts are in. It is clear that Ferguson or and or the St. Louis County Police Department have not been telling us the truth about what went on. Furthermore, it appears they are violating the law. They are certainly violating their own policies, uh, as uh, Charlie Grabsky was able to determine through his public records requests since that shooting. Charlie is now leading up the uh, Open Records Project at PhotographyIsNotACrime.com, or PNAC, as we will call it. Uh, and he's been able to get at much of the information, or at least uh, the lack thereof, from the Ferguson and St. Louis County Police, uh, including the ridiculous, the laughable, the uh, shameful, frankly, incident report that was was released uh, by St. Louis County about the incident where Darren Wilson gunned down Michael Brown. In a long, detailed, and meticulously documented post at Photography is Not a Crime, uh, which we summarized this week at bradblog.com, Grapsky outlines a string of public records requests he filed with Ferguson and St. Louis County Police in an attempt to get at that incident report and other documents related to Brown's shooting. Uh, we are delighted to have him on the show, I think, for the first time. Uh, Charlie Grabski, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad. Uh, great to have you here. Thank you for all the good work that you're doing. Before we get into the details of what you were able to discover, both from documents produced and documents not produced by the police uh, in St. Louis County, uh, PNAC it was a website I know that was formed by photojournalist Carlos Miller, uh, who I believe was arrested for photographing police. Uh, can you tell me about uh, PhotographyIsNotACrime.com and then about the Open Records project that you guys have now begun over there?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Carlos uh, was a journalist in the strict sense of the term. You know, he was a mainstream reporter and photojournalist. And uh, he began getting arrested and beaten several times by police for filming uh, as part of his job. And he took a number of cases to court. Um, and he began a, a small blog uh, after that event to, 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 to document that court proceeding, mm-hmm. after which he then got a, a contract through Barnes & Noble. Uh, in their, They have some blogs that you know, pertain to journalist rights, and that's where Penex sort of emerged. Uh, but it became too controversial for Barnes & Noble, so, <laughs> so Carlos then went out on his own, uh, and, he, and he founded Photography is Not a Crime. And uh, about, you know, I, I've actually been doing public records for 20 years mm-hmm. you know, when I discovered it in the home of public records law, which is Florida. And um, I've, I've actually literally been called a terrorist in legal documents.
0: Uh, <laughs> Congratulations, uh, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen it all. Right. Um, but, but, but it, it amazes me because I see new things every day. And, uh, and so in, I think it was February or March, uh, I saw that Carlos and Photography, Not a Crime were following in the footsteps of what I had been doing to be called a terrorist, which was to film my attempts to get public records to show the public just how much these officials want to defy the law and have contempt for it and the public. And so Carlos and Photography Not a Crime were doing that with some other members. And I contacted him and I said, you know, I've got this open records project that I've been working on for years. You know, how about we team up? And he says, wonderful. Um, nice. And in, and I got involved in Ferguson. Uh, actually, I had actually waited to get involved in Ferguson while things were playing out because I had been doing this since April on uh, a 24-hour basis in Albuquerque ever since the James Boyd shooting. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I saw that the ACLU had filed a request and had been denied claiming, and this is a textbook, national, unwritten uh, play, um, they claimed that there's a ongoing investigation for the exemption.
0: Well, that's just not true. uh, And let me, you, Charlie, your phone broke up a little bit there, but I got. So I want to repeat what you said. Uh, When the ACLU had made their request, and presuming, presumably, this was for the details of the shooting of Michael Brown, the actual incident report uh, that would be filed, really, by any police department after uh, any sort of incident of this type, uh, and the ACLU was told they can't have the report because there is an ongoing investigation that ongoing investigation of course was by the St. Louis prosecutor at that point uh but uh, you I think then jumped in to point out that no the incident report of what happened uh, on the streets of Ferguson that day is not uh covered cannot be withheld correct uh, under under the guise of ongoing investigation Exactly exactly And before we and get yeah go ahead yeah
1: and not only did I then make that argument in my own public records request, but knowing the game that was being played and knowing it needed extra pressure, I put out a public call for what I'm calling a global public records request. Never been done before in history, but I got 160 other people filing the same request same day.
0: Which is, uh, anybody can file a public records request. This is not for attorneys or journalists necessarily, per se, any citizen. And it, of course, it varies from state to state. Uh, but in Missouri, they've got the Missouri Sunshine Act. And essentially, you can go to a public agency like the St. Louis County Police and say, I am filing a, a request under the Missouri Sunshine Act. I would like any documents uh, that, that have to do with a such and such event. Uh, the more specific Pacific, the better. Am I correct?
1: Yes. And these are so important laws. These mm-hmm. are citizen empowering laws directly intended to enable citizens to hold public officials to account. And it's so important for people to learn about them and begin to use them. Uh, And, of course, what you'll see is how much contempt public officials and police agencies
0: have for them. Well, that's right. And before we get to the specifics of what you were able to get from them, uh, how have the Ferguson and St. Louis County police uh, responded in general to your requests? Have they been contemptful or have they uh, have they produced the documents in a timely fashion, uh, much as you requested?
1: Well, you know, it was interesting because when I first spoke to Lieutenant Burke of the St. Louis County Police Department, he was actually very courteous and honest with me, and he admitted, contrary to what they had said to the ACLU after I talked to him about what the law requires and what it doesn't, um, he said, yes, it's a public record, and no, there is no exemption. And then he said, I'll provide it to you, which was a big story. It took three more days for them to provide it. And then what we got was, and he told me basically that it's the lawyers in the legal division that are making these decisions. And what he told me was that, um, that the lawyers said that an incident report contains only three items of information, date, time, and location. And I said, <laughs> that's simply not true. Right. And he actually quoted, they actually referred to the Missouri statute, Mm 610.100, which defines incident report. And they said that's what they're going by. But if you read it, it says date, time, location, and basically a summary of the facts and what the officer saw and what the officer
2: did.
0: Yeah, it says quite specifically, and you quoted this in your report "If Photography is Not a Crime, that the incident report must have the, uh, quote, immediate facts and circumstances surrounding the initial report of a crime or incident including any logs or of, of reported crimes accidents complaints maintained by the agency so they were very specific to say yes we need that specific information uh, th- that information must be on the incident report and yet what we have now seen what we have all seen was a report that appears to have been created two weeks later uh, after the event two weeks later and that you're right had nothing but uh you know the the guy's name Michael Brown's name, the address where it took place, and no other supporting information. no no summary. Uh, n- none of the uh, officers, quote, this is again, I- I- this is required to be there. The officer's narrative as to the nature, facts and officers' actions, nothing. There was no information. And yet before they even released that, they had come out with this uh, this incident report from a a convenience store uh, robbery where they claim Michael Brown shoplifted some cigars. Uh, They had lots of details on that, but on this, oh, we got nothing. Now, uh, Charlie uh, Grapski, when you received this information... Was it clear to you that they had created this, especially uh, you know, because people had been asking for it, that it did not exist, uh, that it was not the actual incident report that was created uh, after the shooting of Michael Brown?
1: Well, that's the problem, you see. When you force them actually to take a stand in writing, they often mess up. And what they put in that incident report was the date it was created, which was after I made the request. And they put in the report, of course, wait, wait, let me step back. I was promised it on that date, but then I got an email at 7 o'clock that night from Lieutenant Burke saying mm-hmm. he'd been called into Ferguson and wasn't able to get it. He'd get it to me in the morning. But what the incident report shows is it wasn't even signed off by the supervisor until the next day when he finally did provide it.
0: So, th- th- so their,
1: own, their own words yeah. show the, 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 the game.
0: And so they they stalled, and then they produced this sham report, which was clearly made weeks after the event. Uh, Charlie, do you think that what happened here was they made a, a, an incident report as expected? But they have since either destroyed it or are or are now hiding it. Is, is it possible that they simply that you could shoot a guy at least six times now, maybe more, maybe 10 uh, and, and not file an incident report about what happened? Is that even possible or are they uh, holding back the information, the real report about what happened, Charlie?
1: Well, what their own policies show, and I can get into this more about how I got one of them and I haven't gotten the other yet, but what their own policies show is that they're required to file that incident report before the end of their, that day. In exceptional circumstances, they can be given 24 more hours. So they should have. Plus, what we do know is that the police were putting out rumors of fact about what happened. Well, the only place that they would get that is from the officer himself. Thus, the officer gave some sort of statement somewhere. But we don't don't see that. So I believe it's more likely than not that he did do some sort of report and that they have withheld it. And also, when they said to the ACLU this is exempt, they're implying that a record exists. Because if it didn't exist, they would say no such record exists.
0: Wait, so like you're want- so you're saying when they originally said, "Oh no, we can't give it to you because it's exempt," your belief was, and that was before the the eventual uh, report that they released, and before it was uh, dated uh, some days after. So you're contending that there was a report, and and that they made that clear when they said, "Oh, we can't give you that report because it's exempt for, uh, due to the investigation." And that turned out to be nonsense. But but that is you're right. That is in and of itself evidence that a report did exist, a report prior to the one, the bare bones incident report that was eventually released. So it seems to me and Charlie, let me know if you feel I've got this right. It seems that they either uh, violated the law or certainly the policies of the uh, agencies by not filing filing a report in the first place or they violated the law by not releasing it under this public records request and now pretending that it doesn't exist. Is that an accurate summary?
1: I think it has to be one of those two.
0: Which, and that's sort of the point of where I started this show, saying, no, we don't have to wait for all the facts to come in, because it seems pretty clear from what the facts that we do have— that they lied, that they uh, very likely violated the law no matter which direction they go on this thing. Okay, uh, another uh, thought or two here, uh, Charlie Grafsky Um The Fifth Amendment theory, the theory that Darren Wilson, the officer who shot uh, Michael Brown, did not file an incident report because, in fact, if he did, he would be testifying against himself. Uh, And instead, he took the Fifth Amendment and said, no, I'm not going to write this report. I'm going to claim the Fifth Amendment here. I'm not uh, writing any report. Uh, What about that theory?
1: Well, one, there's an error in a lot of people's thinking that the Garrity rule, coming from a Supreme Court case from the early mid '70s, I think '75, that says that because the, the the Fifth Amendment is a protection against the government coercing you to provide self-incriminating testimony, government employees, including police officers, are not allowed to be compelled to give testimony when they're being investigated and therefore they don't have to ask questions whereas a private employer can mm-hmm. okay? now the problem is and there's case law to support this that incident reports do not constitute that sort of a garrity coerced statement these are routine parts of the job essential for the police to do their job without it they can't and so you can be compelled to provide that now the officer still has a right at that time to say, well, I want to speak to an attorney and mm-hmm. I'm going to – I'm not going to fill this out. I'm not going to say this or I'm not going to say that based upon my Fifth Amendment right. They can be fired in those circumstances for that, for, for you know insubordination or failing to perform the essential duties. But, um, but, but so I tested it. I said, because if if he did invoke the Fifth Amendment, there has to be a document recording that. So I made a public records request, and on Saturday I got a response. No such record exists. That answers the question. If no such record exists, then he has not invoked the Fifth Amendment.
0: Charlie, uh, you're doing great work on this. I think it's really important. I think it's going to be even more important as the uh, national media sort of moves on. uh, So it's going to be more important for you to stay on top of them. Uh, As you wrote... Uh, at uh, Photography is Not a Crime, we also now have the evidence to demonstrate that not only one but two police agencies That would be Ferguson and St. Louis County. And thus, the officials in charge of those agencies are willing to thwart the law, deny the public its rights, and claim effectively that they are above the law. All this in an effort to cover up and conceal from the public just what happened that day in the streets of Ferguson. I think it couldn't be more clear. No matter what happens, no matter what the St. Louis County prosecutor does uh, in charging Darren Wilson, it could not be uh, more clear to me... Just based on, frankly, your public records uh, requests and what they produced alone, it couldn't be more clear to me that there is a cover-up going on and that uh, these police agencies seem to be violating the law. And I hope, to hell, someone holds them accountable for that. Uh, And if they do, uh, we'll have uh, you and your your good work here, uh, Charlie, uh, to thank for some of it.
1: Can I give one update to that, too? Please do. To To follow... In the wake of this, once I got that report, I then said, now that they've produced the document, I can test their claims. So I made two very important new requests. I asked for the policy to prove that this contradicts their policy, and I asked for a set of incident reports surrounding this. Now, with the policy, they have, St. Louis County refuses to produce it and says there's a state of emergency and they won't get that to me for another two weeks at least. With, with the other incident reports, they've demanded I pay $35,000 to get them. Oh, I can no. hire a, a, a person to do, to do the job that they're not doing for that.
0: Oh, man, paging the ACLU. Uh, Charlie, uh, keep at him, and uh, please uh, continue to stay in touch uh, as, as you try to hold their feet to the fire. Sure, Brad. Thank you, Charlie Grabsky uh, from Photography Is Not a Crime.com and their Open Records Project. Go check it out, Photography Is Not a Crime.com, and support that effort. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, okay, before we go to break here, I want to do a quick update. Uh, as mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we're still staying here in Ferguson for the moment. This concerns uh, the police militarization. Last week on this program, we had Congressman Hank Johnson the uh, Democrat from the 4th Congressional District in the great state of Georgia. He joined us uh, to talk about his bill, which would uh, demilitarize or at least attempt to demilitarize demilitar- the police under the um, this uh, Pentagon's 1033 program that gives all this surplus equipment. Uh, to to the local police forces, which we saw and which we were all horrified by in Ferguson. Here's a a few clips of uh, some of his comments, uh, Congressman Hank Johnson, last week on the broadcast.
3: Well, my main hope is to stop the flow of this uh, military-grade equipment to uh, local law enforcement agencies throughout America. We've been flooding the streets with this surplus military weaponry, and, um, and I think the situation in Ferguson exemplifies what happens when you have too much powerful equipment in the hands of folks who don't really have the judgment or the training to uh, utilize it uh, properly. Yeah. I want to uh, make sure that, uh, that we stop the proliferation of this uh, military-grade equipment on our streets and in our communities. We can cause these agencies to have to account for the weapons that they have received, and if they cannot account for them, then that will ban them from the uh, 1033 program. And I might point out that uh, my uh, legislation will not ban 1033 program and there are a lot of surplus uh department of defense articles that a law enforcement agency can certainly benefit from Uh, and i don't want to stop uh those items uh from going to local law enforcement things like pistols and, and shotguns and traditional weaponry that uh civilian law enforcement uh utilize this to uh, protect and serve the people. So we're not trying to get rid of all of the property, but things like uh, MRAPs and armored uh, personnel carrier, carriers, uh, things like armed, uh, armored drones, uh, plat- uh, stun gun grenades, uh, silencers. Why would, a, why would a police department need a weapon with a silencer on it? Why would they need a uh, rocket propelled uh, grenade launcher?
0: Yes, yes. Why would, good question. Uh, that was Congressman Hank Johnson last week on this show on the broadcast. Uh, why the hell would any local police agency need a silencer? A silent, really? Why? Do do you trust Ferguson police with a silencer? Do you trust any police department with a silencer? Anyway, that was Hank Johnson talking about his uh, his bill that he had started working on long before Ferguson uh, to try to demilitarize our police department. Last week, President Obama uh, spoke at a White House briefing and indicated uh, that he might be willing to look at this uh, Pentagon 1033 program to reconsider this militarization.
2: You know there is a big difference between our military and our local law enforcement, and we don't want those lines blurred. Uh, that would be contrary to our traditions. Uh, and I think that there will be some bipartisan interest in re-examining uh, some of those programs.
0: Yeah, too late. Lines blurred already, Mr. President. The uh, that horse has left the barn. What we do about it, I don't know. Congressman uh, Johnson told me that uh, admitted that the horse has left the barn on this. But he's, uh, he thinks that we can do something. We can try to force these uh, police officials at least to be accountable for all of this gear, to train them to use what gear they do have, to not sell it off on eBay, uh, as they have reportedly done. Uh, and, well, uh, this week, uh, actually over the weekend, uh, President Barack Obama ordered a review of those programs allowing for state and local enforcement to uh, law enforcement to buy military equipment. Uh, The decision to do so follows public criticism of the use of such assets recently in Ferguson, Missouri, according to CNN. The review will touch on several points, including whether such programs and fundings are appropriate, whether state and local enforcement agencies have the necessary training and guidance to use the equipment and whether the federal government is sufficiently auditing the use of the equipment obtained through the federal programs. Now, there's a whole bunch of uh, White House uh, staff members, the Domestic Policy Council, National Security Council, Office of Management and Budget, uh, some Defense Department agencies, Homeland Security, Justice and Treasury are going to participate in this review. And I should say, I expect almost nothing will happen Because of it. If we want to have anything actually done, we need legislation and good luck getting any legislation passed in our broken Congress, even with guys like uh, Rand Paul on board uh, on the Republican side. But anyway, a modicum of uh, forward movement on that issue. We'll see what happens. We will try to keep our eyes on it uh, here on the broadcast as we move forward. Uh, But I continue to ask as big government tyranny uh, cracks down on Ferguson and everywhere else. Uh, where the hell is the Bundy Bunch? Where the hell are the Tea Partiers who were so offended that uh, federal officials were actually trying to enforce the law in Nevada earlier this year? Where are they when there's actual tyranny actually people getting shot, actually uh, tear gas being used on the streets against peaceful protesters. Where the hell is the Tea Party and the Bundy Bunch? I asked that question last week. Uh, Bill Maher also recently asked that same question.
2: Cops are only human, and we all know what it's like when you get a new toy. You want to use it. Once you start dressing and equipping people like an occupying army, they start acting like one. But unfortunately, it's not just the equipment the cops are borrowing from the army. It's also this philosophy of overwhelming force. You know, we used to send SWAT teams only for hostage or active shooter scenarios. It happened a few thousand times a year. Now it happens a thousand times a week. Forced, no-knock entries into private homes. And now for almost any reason at all, like serving warrants breaking up poker games, arresting low-level pot dealers. Come on. It's a guy who sells weed. You don't need to shoot his dog and crash through his window. Just grab him when he comes out for the ice cream truck. (laughs) (laughs) You know, police, we want to be on your side, but the words on your car, protect and serve, Refer to us, not you. (laughs) In the the 90s, conservatives used to warn about jackbooted government thugs coming to take away our freedoms. But where are those conservatives today when we need them? (laughs) This is the massive expansion of government power that you numbskulls in the Tea Party should be freaking out about. You're always screaming. You're always screaming about the loss of liberty and how tyranny is coming. Yeah, it's coming right through the door with a battering ram, no warrant, and a stun grenade. Or to put it in a way you can understand, I'm scared of the cops and I'm white. <laughs> Shut,
0: let it all out.
2: These
0: are the things that On out uh we're going to take a quick break here and come back with much more broadcast. maybe some of your calls i don't know if we can get him in or not 818-985-5735 if we can 818-985-kpfk an update in this amazing story in the uh, don siegelman story and a, a bizarre turn plus desi doyen and the green news report all of that straight ahead Stay with us. This is your broadcast. Still love the governor in Birmingham. Uh, until uh, the uh, Karl Rove attack on Don Siegelman, the very popular Democratic governor. Uh, an amazing story. We've been covering it for a long time on the show. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. This is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. Uh, many of you who know the uh, Don Siegelman story know that he was uh, set up and shipped away under federal uh Prosecution uh, by a cabal of Karl Rove pals, uh, including, it's amazing, including the campaign manager uh, of his opponent uh, who was married to the prosecutor who began the case against Don Siegelman. And the charges that Don Siegelman is now serving six and a half years for in federal uh, prison for were never actually a crime before. Uh, until Siegelman was charged with him, as has been pointed out by 113 bipartisan, bipartisan former state attorneys general. Uh, This guy was set up, uh, and it was because he was very popular at the time. He was, uh, this was, you know, going back to the late 90s, he was thought to be a presidential timber And God forbid, as Karl Rove uh, knew, we couldn't have another uh, southern, popular southern Democrat running for president. So he had to be done away with. And boy, howdy, did they. The judge in his case, the U.S. District Court judge, Mark Fuller, uh, was a Republican appointed by George W. Bush when Karl Rove was obviously in the White House. And Mark Fuller himself should have recused himself from the case. Rove was a uh, a client of Fuller, or Fuller was a client of Rove's when Fuller was the head of the Alabama GOP, the executive director there, until he was made a U.S. uh, federal, uh, U.S. District Court judge with a lifetime appointment by George W. Bush. Uh, Anyway, he had a grudge against Don Siegelman, uh, whose uh, prosecutor had investigated Mark Fuller. When Mark Fuller himself had been a prosecutor in uh, in Alabama, instead of recusing himself, Mark Fuller just stayed right there on the case. Uh, And when uh, Siegelman was found guilty, instead of allowing him to go home free pending bail, Mark Fuller offered him handcuffed and shackled and shuffled off to prison. I think he served about six months there before he was finally allowed out on appeal. But now, of course, he is back in the slammer, uh, awaiting a pardon maybe someday from Barack Obama and uh, the Department of Justice if they can come up with it to do the right thing ever at that department. In any case, this Judge Mark Fuller, as we reported last week or two weeks ago, Judge Mark Fuller, the one who... uh, sent Siegelman away for six and a half years, uh, was himself arrested for beating his wife bloody two weeks ago in an Atlanta hotel room over the weekend. It's an amazing story. You can read the, uh, we've got the full story at bradblog.com, the details, what the Atlanta police uh, found when they showed up. The police report uh, shows that uh, her hair, his wife's hair was pulled out. She was dragged around the hotel room. He struck her in the mouth several times after she accused him of having an affair with his law clerk. His wife had lacerations on her face, bruises on her legs. There was blood found in the bathroom. Uh, This is uh, Republican federal judge Mark Fuller. So he was arrested. He was charged with uh, misdemeanor battery, domestic battery. Uh, well, now here's the bizarre turn in the case, because all of that wasn't bizarre enough. <laughs> here's what happened recently. That was just two weeks ago. That's old news already. According to AP, an Alabama federal judge could avoid prosecution for domestic violence in Atlanta. Programs help some defendants avoid prosecution and a defense lawyer says U.S. District Judge Mark Fuller is open to such a chance in Fulton County, Alabama. The defense says Fuller is entering treatment for an unspecified reason. And that the Atlanta uh, court, uh, I'm sorry, that's Fulton County, uh, Georgia, I should say, because that's where he was arrested. And the Atlanta court offers pretrial intervention and diversion programs for some defendants. One of the programs is for people in treatment programs. Fuller's defense attorney, Jeff Brickman, says he plans to talk to a prosecutor uh, soon about the possibility. Brickman says Fuller would welcome the chance to end the case without prosecution. Got that? Never mind avoiding prison time, as uh, Fuller will certainly try to do. Judge Fuller may be able to avoid prosecution entirely. Oh, and by the way, in the meantime, As the uh, Montgomery advertiser notes, uh, Fuller, who was appointed to the bench by then-President George W. Bush, has a lifetime appointment, and he continues to receive his annual salary of $200,000 despite being stripped of his courtroom duties for the moment. But, of course, you know, if he goes through treatment and they do away with his prosecution, why, he can just go back to his lifetime appointment as a federal judge. Meanwhile, government Don Siegelman, Governor Don Siegelman, rots in jail. Although I spoke with him uh, a few months ago, and he's in remarkably good spirits, remarkably good spirits. Uh, Frankly, he's a hell of a guy. But if only Siegelman had been a drunk like Mark Fuller, if only he had been a a drunk, if he had beat his wife bloody and checked into a treatment program, Don Siegelman might have been able to avoid prosecution entirely. What was Don Siegelman thinking? Have a drink, Don. Start beating your wife. That'll get you off the hook. Maybe you got to do it in, in uh, Georgia. I don't know. In the meantime, of course, Fuller, who appears to be a drunk, who is alleged to have beaten his wife bloody and has now checked in for treatment, he may get off the hook even as Siegelman serves out the uh, six and a half more years in the federal correctional institution down in uh, Louisville, thanks to Mark Fuller. Unbelievable story. Uh, We will continue to follow it as Fuller continues to figure out how to get the hell off the hook. Instead of facing accountability, the way Don Sigelman did when he faced accountability for something that was never a crime before. Speaking of facing accountability and crimes... And bribery. You remember when Rick Perry uh, killed 275 people uh, as the governor of Texas, 275 people who have been executed on his watch. And when he was asked about uh, people who were being killed who may be innocent, remember when he said, quote, Texas has a very thoughtful, a very clear process. I think Americans understand justice said Rick Perry in the uh, presidential debate back in 2011, back when he was last pretending to run for president. Yeah, well, now Rick Perry has glasses. He's still pretending to run for president in 2016, but he doesn't think so much of the justice system anymore now that he has been charged with two criminal felonies in Texas. But he can't seem to remember what they are. Oops. He's only been charged with two. He can't even remember one of them. Uh, it's just amazing. He was uh, Rick Perry uh, was in uh, New Hampshire last week uh, speaking to businessmen, uh, where because you know, as I said, he's pretending to run for president in 2016 while facing two different indictments. Anyway, he was asked about uh, the two count felony indictment, and according to I think this was AP uh, Perry was uh, as ABC Perry was a little unclear when explaining what felony charges were issued against him. He said, quote, I've been indicted by that same body now for, I think, two counts, one of bribery, which I'm not a lawyer, so I don't really understand the details here. Perry said of the grand jury indictment against him, of course, he was not indicted for bribery. Neither of the two counts had anything to do with bribery. Uh, He was charged the two felony counts were for abuse of official capacity and coercion of a public official concerning a 2013 veto threat against a district attorney down there uh, who had a DWI. She happened to be a Democrat when the other two uh, district attorneys who also were pulled over for DWIs and they were Republicans. Rick Perry didn't threaten them with anything. He, he didn't mention it at all. Well, now uh, Rick Perry is uh, charged with these two crimes, which he can't remember what they are. Although he did go and plead not guilty to both of them. And I think they usually ask you, uh, do you understand the charges you're being, uh, the, the crime you're being charged for? Yes, I do, Your Honor. Uh, I guess maybe he lied. Oh, perjury. Let's make it a third. Oh, Rick Perry. You're the ginchiest. Let's do some green news. Melting for Desi Doyen <laughs> on a very hot day here in uh, Los Angeles. Glad you could join us, Desi. Oh, yeah. Uh, moving, uh, you know, from, from crimes, governors, to Texas, that takes us to oil. That, of course, takes us to you. Actually, before we get to you, John Boehner tweeted today. I don't know if you saw this. Big day for John Boehner. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, did you see this tweet? Uh, he, he retweeted the uh, the House of Transportation uh, committee uh, run by Republicans in John Boehner's uh, house. He, he was very excited. Do you know why?
4: No. It's a why? big day
0: today. On this day in 1859, the first oil well was successfully drilled in the U.S. by Colonel Edwin Drake near Titusville, PA. Yes. It's exciting, isn't it?
4: Uh, yeah, excitement is relative here. Yes, t- it, 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 oil is essential to the modern lifestyle that we have created over the world, but it also is uh, uh, turning out to not be such a great thing after all.
0: Oh, okay. Well, you know what, uh, G, I was about to go to the uh, Green News Report, uh, and 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 uh, G just tells us where is the Green News Report.
4: Uh-oh, I don't know. Go check. I will go check then.
0: Right, go check. Uh, <laughs> we will usually we do the Green News Report right here, yeah. and. If Desi doesn't find it, of course, as you all know, she will be fired because my justice is, uh, is strict. Uh, while she's looking for that, I will point you towards bradblog.com, a story that I had hoped to get to today. Uh, but obviously we're short on time, unless we don't get the green news, concerning uh, Wisconsin and the continuing fight in the court case uh, against Uh, The photo ID law, that is, it's amazing because there was two different uh, law, uh, two different court cases in state court that found the photo ID restriction put forward by Republicans. Uh, Two different court cases found it to be unconstitutional uh, in in the state, uh, to the state constitution. Then a federal court found it to be unconstitutional under the uh, federal constitution. And yet, the incredibly partisan Republican State Supreme Court uh, came in and uh, said, oh no, that law is fine. But there is still the ban on the law from the federal court while the case is being appealed by Scott Walker in federal court. I know it's all completely confusing, but for the moment, suffice to say, there is no photo ID law despite how much the Republicans desperately desperately want to put it in place before the uh, November election where Governor Scott Walker is uh, in a real fight for his political life. Uh, so check out the full details by our legal analyst, Ernest Canning, at bradblog.com. And do we have, uh, in fact, yes, we yes, got it? Yes, we do have we it now. It yes, right, we well, let's do. Go. Our latest Green News report. Thanks, Des. It's Tuesday, August 26, 2014.
2: Breaking news, an earthquake measuring 6.0 near San Francisco.
4: Napa earthquake is a warning for California's nuclear plants.
0: Reminders like Superstorm Sandy of the resiliency required. That's what makes solar technology and fuel cell technology so important.
4: Verizon goes solar. Really big solar. Another coal plant bites the dust. Cutting emissions will save more money than it costs. Plus, fired into the sky... These salmon are becoming flying fish. Fighting drought with the salmon cannon. Yep, the salmon cannon.
0: All of those flying fish and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comments. Oh, hey, Scott Brown, 2014 Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate in New Hampshire. Do you believe climate change is real? Uh, no. No? Huh. Very interesting. How about you, Scott Brown, 2012 Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate in liberal Massachusetts? Do you believe climate change is real? Yes,
2: yes, I do. I absolutely believe that
0: climate change is real. Huh. One of those Scott Browns is definitely right. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I know you got a lot to get to today, so I will not dwell on perpetual Senate candidate Scott Brown being an unapologetic liar or a hypocrite or a flip-flopper. I'll just let you begin with the green
4: news. <laughs> okay. Well, first off, that 6.0 earthquake that hit the northern California city of Napa on Sunday morning caused damage estimated to be at least $1 billion. But an even bigger question now is the safety of California's Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant on the central coast between San Francisco and L.A. Environmental group Friends of the Earth released a confidential document on Monday, written a year ago, by a former senior nuclear inspector at Diablo Canyon, urging the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission to shut it down, warning it is unsafe to continue operating the plant until new tests can assess its vulnerability to earthquakes from faults that were discovered after the plant had been built. Spokesmen for both the NRC and plant operator Pacific Gas and Electric, however, say the plant is
0: safe. Of course they do. I would also point out that San Onofre Nuclear Plant, south of Los Angeles, north of San Diego... While it has been shut down, it's still got all its nuclear material and waste there. It will for decades. That, too, I would suspect is vulnerable to to earthquakes like that.
4: But again, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission says nothing to worry about. It's fine. Cutting emissions will pay for itself 10 times over. That's the conclusion of a new study from MIT this week that finds the cost of cutting industrial emissions from coal-fired power plants and other industrial sources would actually be more than offset by avoided health care costs caused by air pollution. Just how large are these health benefits from cleaner air compared to the cost of reducing carbon emissions? Well, MIT's cost-benefit analysis considered several policy options and found that one policy in particular cap and trade would save 10 times more in health care spending than it would cost to implement the
0: policy i'm sorry i didn't hear you i'm over here hiding under the table because i was just watching fox news and they told me that the entire economy would collapse if we did anything whatsoever to curb deadly emissions in order to save the planet so i just missed that entirely press on
4: another one bites the dust <laughs> That explosion is the sound of demolition of a nearly 100-year-old coal plant in North Carolina. It's good news for people living near the Cape Fear coal plant because Duke Energy finally demolished that ancient coal-fired power plant after deciding it wasn't worth the cost to install new pollution controls to meet new federal air pollution standards. Meanwhile, telecommunications giant Verizon is going solar, announcing this week it will invest an additional $40 million in new solar panels on its facilities, making it the largest solar producer in the U.S. telecom industry. It's not about virtue, says Verizon's chief sustainability officer James Gowan on Bloomberg News. It's really about
0: resilience. Reminders like Superstorm Sandy of the resiliency required, that's what makes solar technology and fuel cell technology so important.
4: Finally, if necessity, is the mother of invention an unusual invention could help california salmon survive dangerously low river levels amid a record drought and hydroelectric dams that prevent them from returning to their spawning grounds fired into the sky These salmon are becoming flying fish. Fast and apparently harmless, 40 fish can be fired through the pneumatic tubes a minute. Yep, the Salmon Cannon. Made by the company Whoosh Innovations, they're adapting their system for transporting fruit. It uses a gentle vacuum and pneumatic tubing to literally shoot each fish through the tubes, safely over obstacles at about 20 miles an hour. You gotta see this video, it's hilarious.
0: The company that makes the Salmon Cannon is called Whoosh Innovations? (laughs) Yes,
4: it is. (laughs)
0: I like that a lot. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes, where we hope you will help us out by giving us a good review. You can also find us and follow us on the Facebook and the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your news report look
2: up in the sky it's a bird it's a plane it's flying fish
0: my thanks as always to the now fired producer desi Doyen. thank you desi Pick up your uh, pink slip on the way out or whatever. Uh, also to our soundboard operator, G. And my guest, Charlie Grabski of PhotographyIsNotACrime.com. Stay tuned for John Wiener and the 4 o'clock report. We'll be back with you, same Brad time, same Brad channel, next week. Until then, you can find me on the Twitters at the Blog and, of course, at BradBlog.com. Good night, world.